What's up, Ego Hackers? Welcome to the C.S. Joseph podcast. I'm your host, C.S. Joseph, and this is season 25, episode 5. This will be the final episode of the Cognitive Asynchronicity uh, series that we've been working on as part of our New Year's housekeeping. We are going to be knocking out seasons 24, 25, and 26 uh, for the start of the new year as part of the uh, C.S. Joseph New Year's resolution. I actually, I'm just bullshitting you because uh, there is no New Year's resolution because uh, I like to be in a state of continuous improvement regardless of what time of year it is. I mean, it's just kind of how I roll. So uh, camaraderie, also known as cognitive asynchronicity, we've been discussing it and it's it's very important. It's um, kind of a huge crux or aspect of Jungian analytical psychology and the four sides of the mind. And it is largely something that has been completely ignored by almost any other uh, personality system out there that is based on Carl Jung's work. And I, I find this reprehensible. Uh, Socionics barely uh, touches or dabbles with it and actually makes a lot of incorrect assumptions about it. Myers-Briggs type indicator completely ignores it and its value. And honestly, I'm not entirely sure if any other actual psychologist worth their salt is talking about it. And I wish that was not the case, given how important uh, camaraderie or asynchronicity actually is. I think the number one practical application for camaraderie in any person's life is that if you can find somebody of your own type, which your identity type, which is like your own type, basically, if you could find your identity type out there who is older than you, more successful than you are, uh, more capable than you, if you go out of your way to learn from the someone, from that someone, or like, for example, if they're like a published author, right? Learning from that specific published author. So, because you already identify with them and throughout their life, they would have had to deal with the same obstacles or pains or difficulties that you yourself have been suffering with. And they've gotten through that, which means that they would have the absolute best knowledge and wisdom to offer you from a teaching standpoint for your own personal growth. Quite frankly, personal growth is not even possible without the pain and the disablement of camaraderie. Because remember, the only proof of life that exists is growth. Without without growth, there is no actual life. But growth naturally on its own is a painful process. And camaraderie is all about inflicting pain. Uh, camaraderie is how, you know, it, it, it's like a constant state of growing pains. And for us to grow properly as human beings, it's absolutely necessary for us to continue to seek out growth in all forms. Otherwise, we're just expecting the rest of the world to just enable us. I mean, think about it, all these, you know, bullshit government entitlements that we get, you know, that that we expect, you know, oh, you're, you know, I'm, I'm my brother's keeper that, you know, that whole philosophy, or Keynesian uh, economics, or just, you know, various communistic or socialist NF-related policies that are 
always proven to not work in as much as, you know, the oligarchy that we're living in now doesn't exactly work either. So the point is, we really have to make sure that we take control of our own life. And that means taking control of our own personal growth and stop relying on everybody else, especially the government, to actually help us along or even enable us. Sometimes we want our immediate family to enable us or extended family to enable us or close friends enable us. And whoever is compatible with us, uh, they'll definitely enable us. But something I would like to, some kind of distinction that I would like to draw out for you folks today when it comes to camaraderie versus compatibility Think of compatibility like the kind of love that your mother offers you, right? And think about camaraderie being that kind of love that your father offers you. So, you know, I know we talk about compatibility, sexual compatibility, emotional compatibility, but uh, there is sexual camaraderie and emotional camaraderie. And those two forms of camaraderie it's, it's a different kind of love. It's like a, a brotherly love or a fatherly love, basically, as compared to, you know, what we call cognitive synchronicity or compatibility, which has sexual and emotional components. And that's, that's a very enabling force in a person's life, for better or worse. And that kind of enablement, it's akin to a mother's love, basically. And it's so interesting to see how society right now, especially within the United States of America or Western society as we know it, really seeking out that motherly love constantly, like, uh, you know, like as they try to self-medicate themselves and avoid the fact that we live in a really horrible society. And, you know, it's not like men are getting anything out of, you know, living in this society. Men are consistently beat down uh, by this constant BS that the bourgeoisie have uh, set up for us in this little cage, this little uh, cattle farm that we live on known as Western society. But the point is, is that men have to realize that if they're ever actually going to change society and actually change it for the better, they're going to have to be willing to lay down their life for it. They're going to have to be willing to die for it. And to the point where they'll never actually enjoy the fruits of their labor. That they're going to have to make that ultimate sacrifice so that their children can have a better tomorrow. And, you know, that's that's what's going to inevitably happen here in North America. You know, just like, you know, the biblical prophecy says in Revelation chapter 17 and 18, the fall of Babylon. Make no mistake, Babylon, according to the book of Revelation, is the United States of America. And uh, I highly recommend finding out what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> kind of like, uh, you know, uh, based on that prophecy, New York City will be leveled to the ground, for example. So, uh, I mean, honestly, like, why not, why not, why not uh, repent? You know, why not lay down your life? It's not like men have, you know, much to lose, right? And this is what camaraderie is for. Camaraderie is that guiding masculine fatherly force that helps men prepare men to get to the point where they have that rite of passage in their life. It's also uh, helps women have a similar rite of passage. And the, the rite of passage for women is, is it's motherhood. That, that is their rite of passage because, you know, they're at risk, they might die. Whereas men have their rite of passage, which also 
you know, traditionally would have put them at risk or they would have died basically during the uh, rite of passage. And I use this example consistently, like when you're watching the movie, The Emerald Forest, the boy kidnapped by the men of the village, thrown over the waterfall, etc., left for dead, basically in the middle of the night. They're saying the boy must die, the boy must die, basically. And then he makes it back to the village. He's a few miles off and he finds his way back to the village, proving that he survived the entire ordeal. And then they are all celebrating the man is alive, the man is alive. And they, he is respected in the village as a man, basically. And he is actually able to take on a woman at that point in time because he is respected as a man in the village. But what boys need to realize is that that is society throwing them over the waterfall and leaving them for dead. That's the reality of the situation. They can't depend on compatibility or the motherly love out there uh, to to save them. They have to rely on their own. And they have to realize that if society is willing to use them as cannon, cannon fodder or regiment their lives, and I'm, I'm quoting Charlie Chaplin when I say that, if they ever get to that point where they realize that it's actually society that's also causing them to go through the rite of passage and this camaraderie-based ordeal, they come to realize that society will betray you at any moment. And this is why personal sovereignty to a man actually matters. This is why men need to put themselves above everybody else because the reality of the situation is, men, is that I don't care. I don't care if you have a home. I don't care if you have children. I don't care what you have. The reality of the situation is, is that you don't have a goddamn thing. You don't have anything. You literally have nothing, which means you have nothing to lose. Because for example, a woman can arbitrarily decide that you're not fit to be the father anymore and she'll take your children away. She can arbitrarily decide that, oh, half of everything you own belongs to me now. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so because of this, you know, when it comes to the family, men don't really get that much. And if you really actually think about it, men don't really have much to lose. They don't have, they don't, they don't have it. They don't have anything to lose. And this enables men to be willing to put their life on the line. And the moment a man is willing to take all of that risk on and put his life on the line, that's all of a sudden what causes him to get to the level of personal growth needed for the man himself to achieve happiness. That is what camaraderie is all about. And honestly, I'm really sick and tired of this audience avoiding camaraderie, avoiding incompatible types. Everyone is just, it just seems like this audience is constantly seeking to have their ego investments um, you know, enabled. They want their ego investments enabled. They want to be enabled, basically. And no one actually wants to accept the harsh reality of life as we know it and understand that we have to become responsible for our own personal growth and that the people who hate us the most and the people that we ourselves hate the most are actually the people that can help us. There's a reason why this is the second law of power according to Robert Greene in 48 Laws of Power. And that's because, uh, and it goes like, uh, you know, learn to use friends, but, or, um, you know, or beware of your friends and learn how to use your enemies, basically, because an enemy in the long run is who is going to teach you about yourself the most. It's so ridiculous to me how many people in this audience 
really actually think that they know themselves, really actually think that they are the expert on themselves. When the reality of the situation is that people that know them are more expert into them than they are themselves. It's because everyone, like in general, every single person, they're delusional, including myself. This is why it took me six years to figure out that I was actually an ENTP instead of an INTJ because it it literally took my mentor meeting me face to face and then all of a sudden realizing how much of a huge mistake he's been making this whole time enabling that point of view. And then he switched from being compatible with me to just going full on camaraderie mode and informing me that I was a fool. And that's basically where I'm at with this, um, with this audience. And don't get me wrong, I love this audience and I'm thankful you are, all are here, but the reality of the situation is, is that you all need to start taking responsibility for your personal growth. I mean, so do I, I especially, especially myself. I'm, I'm actually in the middle of my uh, midlife crisis right now. <laughs> you can't see it, but I have a mohawk. I started smoking cigars. Um, I have lost so much body fat, like, I, I weighed myself at 163.2 this morning, um, you know, and like, I've had this journey of battling obesity, you know, and I, and I, and my height is five ten and a half, you know, so like, if you look at the ideal weight chart online, you know, where I should be is around 150 pounds uh, with that. And that's because, you know, I was having pancreatic issues, I was having liver issues, which you can verify it with uh, Dr. Eric Berg and talks about the different belly types and how your fat settles on your body, exposes which glands aren't working, etc. But, uh, you know, and then you focus on treating those glands and all of a sudden the fat starts coming off. And even though I haven't done any exercise whatsoever because of a broken foot and I haven't done Krav Maga in a while... I've just been sitting on my butt and following this protocol and the fat's just coming off. It's been fantastic, but it's been an aspect of personal growth. And it's not because of a New Year's resolution. It's just something that had to happen. Um, after um, after dealing with some serious failure that actually led to my uh, broken foot in October, that's basically what triggered my entire midlife crisis. And I've just been in a state of rapid change ever since and uh just kind of seizing the moment more i'm actually going to get myself a, a skateboard and learn from uh some camaraderie types how to uh how to skateboard because i did i did i did longboarding but i will learn how to skateboard now because i'm preparing for next winter season where i'm going to be hitting the slopes consistently with snowboarding so i want to have that as a skill and going to be taking my children on the slopes and inviting my friends, uh, maybe even members of this audience to go with me uh, on those uh, slopes uh, when that when that when the time comes as I'm enjoying myself here in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, but, uh, you know, but again, like everyone has to take responsibility for their own personal growth. Everyone has to take responsibility for their own rite of passage. And if you're not willing to lay your life down, if you're not willing to go all the way, if you're not willing to die, basically, then you don't deserve happiness. And that is the main lesson of camaraderie within Jungian analytical psychology. That is why camaraderie, aka asynchronicity, exists. It is trying to teach you that the following, I'll say it one more time. 
If you are not willing to die for your happiness, then you do not deserve to be happy and you will not be happy. That's the whole point, folks. That's the crux of the message of what I've been trying to explain to every single one of you on this channel. That's why, okay? And if you can't get to that point, and if you're, if you're, if you're here and you're listening to this, and because this isn't going to be a very popular episode because I'm not talking about a specific type, etc., I'm only really talking about functions um, within this episode, very few people are going to hear this message. But if you're out there and you're listening to this, the reality is like you have to realize that if you are unhappy, it's because you're not willing to lay your life down for it. You're not willing to go all the way. Uh, there's a uh, there's a video on YouTube uh, by made uh, made by a guy called uh, Mateus M, and it's called the Mind. So search the Mind by Mateus M. It's like M A T E U A S Z space M, and then the Mind. And the thumbnail on it has like Benedict Cumberbatch on it or whatever. But it's a poem written by Charles Bukowski. You know, your life is your life. Do not let it be clubbed into dank submission, right? You know, be on the watch. Because the reality of the situation is, is that if you're unhappy, it's because you're not willing to die for it. It's really, it's really that simple, you know? Women gain fulfillment and happiness, by and large, from having children. And there are even women out there who are very masculine and have their own companies and have their own success. But then they regret not being mothers. And they carry that regret with them for the rest of their lives. And that's kind of how feminism has destroyed them. And they are victims of that. But then at the same time, they have their army of simps out there uh, on their social media, etc. Or their dating apps who are all just um, encouraging and enabling their ego investments within their head. So they end up creating this echo chamber where they end up believing their own bullshit. Why? Because they had a fine ass in their youth? You know, you see what I'm saying? Like, that's just how deluded these people get. And because of that, they're still not actually able to achieve happiness. A lot of people are not even able to achieve their rite of passage, right? Think about David Goggins and his suffering in his life. Think about Andrew Tate and his suffering in his life. These two men, these two ENTP men, for example, who have had to put their life on the line in order to actually become men, to actually really understand what that means. And, you know, like, honestly, like, training martial arts and whatnot, trying to get self-discipline, it's that, you know, I realized that at first, you know, due to my failure that led to my broken foot, I didn't, my heart wasn't really in it. My, my, my commitment was there, but my heart wasn't there. I wasn't, I wasn't as passionate about coming home with bruises as I could have been and should have been. I was too afraid of pain, but now not any longer. I have learned my lesson. And that lesson is something that came as a result of my triggered uh, midlife crisis, right? To the point that if I am not coming home with bruises, then I am actually in a state of failure. Success comes from that suffering. And that's the entire point. So other than this 19-minute long introduction uh, that basically explains the absolute lesson of camaraderie, which is one more time... If you are unhappy, it's because you're not willing to lay down your life to gain that happiness. It's that simple.
It really is that simple. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. That's a fact. Basically, y'all too much, y'all pussies. That, that's, that's, that's really what it comes down to. But this episode, you know, we're supposed to be examining TIFE, which is basically logic and empathy and how, you know, camaraderie affects these two functions and, you know, improves them or makes them better. You know, so, so let's define that real quick. TIFE, logic and empathy, uses facts and hard truths to determine what is socially acceptable, uh, which is, you know, a more TI approach. And the FE approach is, uh, uses what is socially acceptable already as a filter to determine the truth. And this can be a problem. This could be a huge problem uh, because, you know, especially when it when it comes to FJs, because they like to know what is socially acceptable first. They're very aware of what is socially acceptable first. And they're only going to actually, like, especially earlier in their life, they're only going to consider what's true based on whether or not it's already socially acceptable first. And I think that's one of the worst things about FJs, uh, quite frankly, is because they they have that issue. And camaraderie exists, you know, for us TPs, which are the TI parent and the TI heroes out there, to basically go to the FJs and tell them how ignorant they are for allowing what is socially acceptable to determine their own thinking. And it's so funny because I've talked about this many times with my mother and father and other FJs in my life, and they deny it at first. And they... they and it's very, very hard for them to accept that they allow social norms to determine what they actually think is true. Like social norms themselves are primary while the truth is secondary. And then they're the first ones to label TPs like myself as arrogant in the process because it's like, well, why do you get to elect yourself the arbiter of truth? Because I'm TI parent, that's why. Uh, why do you get to elect yourself the arbiter of truth? And why do you get to also think that you get to determine what social norms actually are? And I'm like, well, it's because that's why TPs are trendsetters that way, and as much as FPs can be trendsetters as well. But TPs are all about trendsetters, right? And we ultimately, based on our pariah-like actions, end up determining the actual new social norms that the FJs end up defending later or determining what they think is true based on those new social norms we've created. But you put FJs and TPs in the same room and it always leads to those kinds of judgments. That's the kind of camaraderie, right? So FJs are going out of their way to make sure that TPs are not being arrogant, while TPs are going out of their way to make sure that FJs are not being ignorant because FJs need to understand that social norms, FE social norms, are still entirely subjective, entirely subjective. And, you know, that's very frustrating. And a lot of people just, just aren't really aware of that. And that, you know, that could be really you know, it could be really a huge problem. But, uh, you know, these functions, you know, they, they repulse each other. And that's why FJs and TPs repulse each other. But they're able to learn these huge lessons, these very, very important lessons, you know, and TPs learn, okay, you know, maybe I shouldn't be so arrogant, maybe I should actually verify. And the FJs are like, okay, yeah, maybe I shouldn't allow social norms to determine my own thinking. Maybe I should verify too. 
The difference is, is that something interesting that I've noticed is that FJs have a lower propensity or lower capability to listen uh, compared to TPs, because at least TPs have a TE nemesis or a TE critic with which they can listen with and, and, and actually kind of let go of their TI for a minute to listen with that. Whereas the TE trickster and the TE demon of an FJ, they, they rarely listen, especially the TE demon. And this is why I always tell TI inferiors, hey, look, you have this problem where you expect everybody else to listen to you, but you don't really listen to anybody. And it's that kind of hubris that I just, I really, really can't stand, especially when they're one, they are the ones labeling me arrogant, but they're the ones who just choose not to listen, right? This is the struggle that TPs versus FJs have, and that's why we have camaraderie with one another to provide that struggle and to provide that challenge so that we can actually learn from one another. But that's not to say that TPs won't cannibalize themselves. STPs constantly shit on NTPs on a regular basis, and for good reason, very good reason. Uh, so like, for example, my STP cousins would get in my face anytime I would make a claim because it's like, it's nice that you read that book or you listen to this guy or you are making these claims now, but you don't have any life experience to back it up. And I won't listen until I see you have that life experience, right? And it's so funny because people claim anecdotes are logical fallacies when it is the STPs who are technically the most masculine of all of the types and are usually the most accurate of all of the types with their thinking, at least 80% of the time, I'd imagine. And uh, they're the ones who value anecdotal evidence the most, right? So you might want to rethink you TE users out there as to whether or not, uh, you know, that actually is, uh, you know, whether or not anecdotal evidence really actually is a logical fallacy. You might want to, might want to double check on that one. But, you know, these functions are in opposition, TI and FE are in opposition, but this conflict brings growth. You know, like I said before, in sexual relationships, your pedagogue relationship, also known as the companionship rela relationship, uh, you still even have the benefit of having, uh, you know, sexual tension within the relationship and it keeps the relationship alive. It absolutely keeps the relationship alive because closeness is what actually destroys uh, sexual tension, thus it destroys sexual attraction, right? And, you know, it, it's no different here. It's no different here. And having, having uh, incompatible judgment functions while having compatible sexual functions within your relationship is super important. And the companionship relationship does that. So also does the trust relationship, which is like the benefactor relationship, the intrigue relationship, which I haven't talked about very much. That would be like basically me and an ISTP getting together, for example. That's the intrigue uh, relationship. Very important. Lots of camaraderie there, but it keeps us sharp. And that's one of the huge benefits. Great sex while also keeping us sharp. You know what I'm saying? That's that's where it means something. That's where it matters, right? And a lot of people just don't get that, right? But it comes down to teaching. It's really, it really comes down to teaching. And the reason why, you know, the teaching is important is because, you know, they're just trying to eliminate ignorance. Because don't forget, TI users even if they're TPs or, or FJs, they are all still weak, this includes myself. We are all so weak against, you know, having echo chambers in our heads, uh, being ignorant. And, and like I said before, in, in the Cutting Edge podcast, 
the ignorance comes out like this. TI users end up making decisions based on old information or old input, basically, or they end up making decisions based on preferred input, what they want to hear, right? And what they want to hear when they're making decisions that way, that is the echo chamber that all TE users are afraid, TI users are, you know, you know, being subject to, right? That's ultimately what scares TE users the most is the preferred input. But TE users, it would be helpful if you'd also help the TI user also update themselves because it's really mentally taxing for a TI user to actually go out and research, whereas it could actually give mental pleasure or even dopamine to a TE user to go out and research uh, as compared to a TI user. So TI users seldom actually update themselves or, actually do, or seldom are actually doing the researchers. And the best TI users and the healthiest ones are the ones that can do their own research, that actually can get on the internet and read like 50 different perspectives or 50 different books about one subject so they can get closer and closer to mastery, etc. That's the mark of an amazing TI user. And I'm not to say, and I'm not going to say that TPs because they have higher TE can do this better than FJs. I know some TE tricksters out there, some INFJs who are way more researched than myself. Uh, and for a long time, that was the case with my INFJ mentor. He was way more researched than me, way more red than I am. Now I'm more red than he is. Uh, and it, it took a while to get to that point. But that camaraderie that we had within our relationship, me being the apprentice and him being my master, I, I, we, we grew each other in that way. And he grew me to the point by providing that challenge so that I became well-read. And then I was able to not be as ignorant as I was previously. And that's super important, folks. That's, that's, that's like a requirement in life. So I, I highly recommend you, you consider this, you, you consider these things and consider the benefits, you know, of camaraderie, especially as a TIFE user. You don't want to wake up one day and realize that you just, you're making decisions based on old information because you won't update yourself or you're making decisions based on preferred information, which is even worse, what TE users actually fear you will become, Right. And it's so funny because FJs really just think you're just being arrogant uh, in that you as a TP are just getting to, you know, electing yourself the person or the arbiter or the judge of social norms in that regard. Uh, but the reality of the situation is FJs don't realize that the reason they're doing that is because their emotional counterparts from the FI users in their life are just really afraid that TPs are living in a big echo chamber, Right. And it's not, to, it, and it's not to say that, you know, they can, you know, out of all the TI users, the types that are the least likely to be in an echo chamber, well, those are TI parent, but it still happens. The, uh, the TI users that are most likely to be in an echo chamber are TI child and TI hero, right? Uh, and that's not to say that TI inferior can, but TI inferior doesn't really care about the echo chamber. The TI inferior just puts its own thinking above everybody else, period, end of story. So it doesn't really matter. And it can kind of seem like an echo chamber, but that's not the direction they're going. TI hero goes echo chamber mode because of its hubris and it gets lazy. That's, that's its issue. Um, it thinks that, you know, everything that could have been thought of has already been thought of. Ultimately, ISTPs do that all the time. It's so annoying. And, um, in some cases, within the context of systems, INTPs can get there as well. 
TI child has this problem because they're heavily influenced by external influ uh, external input. And they're TE tricksters. Like every single INFJ friend that I've had, with the exception of five, although one of them is not really my friend, but I have five INFJs in my life and I care about them and I love them uh, dearly. Uh, you know, four of them are men, uh, one woman, etc. And like, they all just have, like every other INFJ in my life before them has betrayed me. They've betrayed me in some capacities because they get into a group of people and then they just listen to them talking mad shit about me behind my back. And then they start believing those people, even though I'm not there to provide a counter voice. Then they'll just start judging me for things I never actually did. And they never even bothered to verify. This is this is classic TE trickster. This is classic TI child. It's the most annoying thing in the world. Yet they tell me, you know, I'm being arrogant, right? You know what I mean? Like, but this is why camaraderie exists because TPs and FJs uh, are end up being at odds and challenge each other. STPs and NTPs end up being at odds and challenge each other. SFJs end up being at odds with NFJs and challenge each other. So it's like there's this m constant mental cleanup between all of these eight types, basically, so that everyone understands under no uncertain terms that the TI users are taking care of the other TI users and making sure that the other TI users are not creating ignorance, right? It's like a cleanup process that the TI users do. But they still have to get to the point in their life where they're actually seeking new input. They may not understand what input is more valuable than the other, which can be a huge issue and a huge problem, but at least they're seeking some kind of input. The problem is, is that a TI user is absolutely weak to garbage in, garbage out. That's a huge problem. So they have to constantly get multiple sources of input and then compare those sources of input before they establish whatever premise they're using to consider something as logically true. And that's another issue that TIFE camaraderie actually really helps. It helps identify which premises or which premise is actually true and correct so that TI can use its logic to create accurate suppositions based on that initial premise. So just another thing that is, you know, mega important to consider. So anyway, uh, I think I think that just about covers, you know, why TIFE camaraderie is actually important and how it's used. And then also camaraderie in general, why it's important. Just remember, folks, if you're not willing to lay your life down, if you're not willing to put your life on the line for your happiness, then you will never reach happiness. And quite frankly, I think you don't deserve happiness. If you have a problem with the world, if you have a problem with your government, if you have a problem with your life, if you have a problem in any area, if you're not willing to die for what you believe in or for your happiness, then you don't deserve it and you'll never get it. And that even carries the risk that even if you do die, you won't you won't actually enjoy the fruits of your labor of your death. You may not, but your children will. And you're going to have to realize that maybe you should not be like the current um, boomer generation, which is content to... Um, sell all of its children downriver for its own self-aggrandizement and its own uh, purposes, you know. So if you don't want to be like them, you might want to consider differentiating yourself from them and actually be willing to lay down your life for the upcoming generation. Because if you're not going to, then guess what? Nothing is going to change. It's, ju it's just like someone complaining 
about you know politics when they don't actually vote. It's it's very similar to that. It's a kind of hypocrisy, which should not be allowed. So, anyway, folks, uh, thanks for watching, and uh, I'll see you guys tonight.